Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Phase Zero Season 3 Episode 26 starts now. It's good to be back. I've been gone for a couple weeks. I've been all over the place. But now I'm where I belong. The Phase Zero Chair with Phase Zero Nation. Oh, my God. Wait. Hold on. Wait. That's a different podcast. But it's a great podcast. I'm BD. Joined today by Jenna Anderson. Hey, everybody. We're very happy to have you back, BD. It didn't feel the same without you. Oh, stop it. It was. I imagine it was much better, but I appreciate that. Uh, we got Aaron Perrine here. Keep Brandon away from jet skis and keep uh, Richard away from cruise ships. A lot of water hazards. The water is scary. I don't know what y'all are doing. Good morning, everybody. We're not water people. We're not water people. Yeah, be careful. Be careful writing jet skis out there. Uh, we got Liam Crowley. Hello, hello. Yeah, glad to be back with this crew. Excited to talk Marvel on a Marvel after show day. I believe this is the first time recapping an episode of MCU TV, so I'm stoked to be here. I'm just glad we're all in different places and sitting down because... Uh, <laughs> I would be the third tallest person on this show today. And I'm not used to that. I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, Liam, actually, we're going to need you to top off the show because I can't be in third place. Thanks for no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll never forget the one time we started talking about basketball. I think it was on the show, like our first year of Phase Zero. And Aaron was like, you think you could who? And I didn't know Aaron was like six foot 13. And I was like, yeah, I could probably take you. And then I just met Aaron in person. And I was like, oh, all that, all that I was talking about basketball might be a game. It might be a game. Liam, I can take you. I can take you. No doubt. No doubt. I'm just playing. All right, guys. Welcome back to Phase Zero. Uh, happy Wednesday. Happy Secret Invasion episode two day. Uh, you know the drill. In the second half of today's show, we're going to talk about Secret Invasion episode two and full spoilers. For those people who have not yet seen the episode, you can listen to the first half for Marvel news. Not a ton of Marvel news this week, but the Marvel news we do have is pretty interesting. Kind of a big deal. Uh, and then, you know, there's some, there's actually some really interesting Easter eggs in this episode of secret invasion that feel kind of old school, feel like some, some stuff to get excited about. So we'll talk about that in the second half of the show. Uh, but Jenna, you want to kick us off with some news? Yeah, so uh, I have to put on my hat as the de Venom defender of the podcast. Um, Venom <laughs> 3 has started production. Uh, I, I'm very excited about this. I know we'll, we'll all go around and see how excited everyone else is about this. Um, there are set photos and videos that have been going around which show Tom Hardy in on a beach in somewhere. He's in like the clothes that he wore from the post credit scenes from Venom 2 and from Spider-Man No Way Home. So it seems like we're picking up right where that story left off. So how do we feel about venom being back we're kind of like i've joked on the show a million times we're leaning into the kind of Ernest goes to camp Ernest goes to the beach i'm very excited to see what's up with venom but how do you guys feel i personally when i see like the clothes back i immediately think of thor ragnarok and follow me here because dark world ended with loki on the throne looks like we're getting to like a, a dark place uh ragnarok and all that kind of stuff and then the tone shift immediately, like he's back. He's we resolve that Odin tease like immediately in the first five minutes. I think that's what they're going to do with Venom three. I do not expect there to be a continuation of what was teased in that Spider Man post credit scene. It felt like just a fun little nod, and uh, I don't think this is going to be a story that relates to uh, Spider Man whatsoever. I think it's going to be Venom and that third symbiote creature that I'm forgetting the name of that they teased with the cop and something like that. Jenna, do you remember? I the name actually escapes me because I've only yeah. seen Venom two once. But I mean, and we also know like Chiwetel Ejiofor's in this. We know Juno Temple's in this. It's probably safe to assume one of them might be a symbiote related character. So who knows how crazy it's going. You know, Beat is probably chomping at the bit to talk about Venom three. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Liam's right, not because I don't like Liam being right. 
but because I hate that the, the the outcome of that point. Like I I, I agree with him. I think they're not going to really build on that credit scene, which was pretty exciting. Like it was like okay, well, Spider Man's in the credit scene, kind of. They're in the same universe. Then in No Way Home, they're in the same universe, and now they're no longer in the same universe. So it's like okay, well, we know Tom Holland is not in that Venom universe. We know that's true. If Andrew Garfield's there, fantastic, awesome. I love it. I'm so excited. I'm tired of these Venom movies. We just had a short on this on the Phase Zero channel. I'm tired of these Sony Marvel movies advertising these Spider-Man connections and lying. They're outright lying. Tobey Maguire picture from Morbius trailer was a fraud. It was not in the movie. Uh, all these tweet and delete, uh, Instagram and delete posts from Tom Hardy about crossing over with Spider-Man. I mean, cool. You saw... Your Venom saw a newscast that confirmed Spider-Man in a different universe does exist. I don't know. It's very frustrating to me, and I just don't think the movies are very good. So I just want Venom. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> like, I, I want it to be good, but, man, whatever. We, we have Liam here saying that it's Toxin. That does sound right. Yeah, yeah, I dropped it in the chat, yeah. 8,000 symbiotes. Yes. A gajillion of them throughout the 90s and 80s and all everything. Okay. Um, I I would like to be hopeful. If you have it in two separate post-credit scenes, it would make sense to build. But how can you do that if we don't even know if Tom Holland is signed on to do any more of these movies or whatever or what Andrew Garfield's doing? Actually, he was at like a music festival a couple days ago, just like a normal person, like vibing out in the crowd. And I'm like, can you imagine sitting there listening to like glass animals or whatever? You look over like, Spider-Man, what are you doing here? Um, so I... I hope that it's good. I hope it's fine. I, I think that at least if you're going to do the teasing, the Spider-Man connections, having it be the costume thing, as opposed to like, hey, look, here's Tony McGuire on a poster is better. Or here's this Daily Bugle design from the Raimi era is a better way of doing that. Because, yeah. I, I, funny enough, Brandon, that poster is not actually of like Sam Raimi Spider-Man, it's from the PS4 game, yeah. someone wearing the suit, which makes it even dumber, like yeah. somehow. I don't understand. So hopefully, I, I, also, how are they filming? How, they're not no going to like, get are they, just, are they just going ants? They're just going spiders and like <laughs> ham boning the entire two hours? Is that Also, because depending on how things shake out with the, the other strike this week, like whether or not SAG goes on strike, I'm very curious to see if like, oh, they're starting production. How much uh, are, are they going to get into production before that possibly shuts things down? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. Do, for, for Venom, if, if, if the Venom verse, which who knows if it's in the Morbius verse or the Craven verse, <laughs> I assume like, they like they have to be what was morbius had references to venom in it like yes thing in san francisco yeah yep there which was, is what what there was a connection in the trailer that was then taken out in the movie itself yeah. but he does name drop Ven no he yeah he, he does venom say venom movie, yeah. but it's off it's off screen like like the dialogue is heard but you don't see his mouth say it it's like a yeah. wide shot of him in the back it's it's a ADR. Brandon, yeah. like you said, they lie. They they feed you a false movie in the trailers, show up for the post credit scene, and it doesn't mean anything. So I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. So so my question was, let's assume that Venom, Morbius, Craven. Uh, I don't know. Am I leaving anybody else out? I don't think so. Uh, maybe Alberto, whatever character Sasha Banks is. I mean, not she's not Sasha Banks anymore. Bad bunny. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> uh, but what's what's Sasha Banks' new wrestling name? Oh, Mercedes Monet. Mercedes, yeah. She just, okay. Well, if if whatever character she's playing, let's say a Madam Web, let's say they're a Julia Carpenter, let's say they're all in the same universe. Which, who knows? Who knows? Uh, if there is a Spider-Man in that universe, it's not Tom Holland, because we now Venom has. Show, if logic is applied, which we have seen it often is not, but if logic and rules are applied, and Vulture is there too now, who is the Spider-Man in that universe? Is it a new one? Is it Miles Morales? Is it Andrew Garfield? George Clooney. Shut 
<laughs> too soon, too soon. See, I've also seen people be like, oh, it's Miguel O'Hara. And I'm like, that is just way too messy. If we're like, then like as much as I would love to see Oscar as like live action oh, wow. 2099, I don't, I don't want him to have to pay, play clean up with all of these. I would, I, I would rather it be Andrew Garfield or like a completely unrelated Spider-Man that we've never seen before. Like that would also be cool. Yeah, I have to agree. I think Andrew would be pretty cool though. I don't know if I need another Spider-Man that isn't Miles Morales, but I do think Andrew would be really cool. So I'd be happy with either of those. Speaking of Miles Morales. Yeah. We woo. had a massive, cra- like wild report. Uh, from, I want to say from Vulture. Yeah. I want to attribute this correctly. Um, where they talked to four or five animators on Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse about the working conditions on the movie. Um, there's a lot of saying that they were overworked and there was rewriting and reanimating and re like submitting things five and six times. There was some crunch involved. And one of the animators, the thing that everybody focuses on is that when everybody said, there's no way this thing is coming out in March, 2024, because even though we've been led to believe that they were shooting both movies concurrently with each other, it sounds like the other one has had some storyboarding done and stuff. And like, that's it. So it doesn't seem really feasible to release it in March 2024. A lot of conversation on social media about, you know, is it worth getting these movies on time if these people are miserable for multiple years of their lives doing it? Um, And then, of course, Amy Pascal comes out and goes, this is how the sausage is made. Like, what do you want? Uh, Which is, like, funny, but also, like, "Mm, guys, we don't. The movie is beautiful. It's my favorite thing that I've seen this year of all the comic book stuff. Uh, I can't imagine it's worth anybody suffering to like have to go through. So there's that. And then, of course, it's also like weird because bookended by like there's two versions of the movie where different things happen and people are realizing that there's stuff that their friends saw in the movie that they've never seen. And there's some sort of quake Easter egg very obliquely in the movie too, adding to Brandon's just pulsing headache over there (laughs) about how this stuff is related and what the rules of everything are. So what does everybody think about all the weird Spider-Verse stuff that's happened this week? I will just piggyback off of what you said. No piece of art is worth people suffering at all. And especially in a context like this, it's it, it's kind of disheartening on so many levels. It was sad now in hindsight of like the conversation we had last week about AI art in another Marvel thing and how Spider-Verse by comparison just feels so human made. It's like then to now know that even the work that went into that still left people unhappy and crunched and miserable is very kind of upsetting. I This movie needs to get delayed. We waited five years for this one and it was more than worth it. I feel like you can push this back two, three, four years and people will still show up. They'll they'll be more willing to show up because they'll know that this art was made with animators in mind and not released in mind. So I hope that that's what they end up doing. I, I, I Go ahead. I was just going to say, I wonder if the strategy for dropping it in March is to capitalize on Oscar buzz because Oscars are now like March of every year rather than February. And this thing's like a shoe-in for at least a nomination, let alone a win at this point. Um, and because the last one won the Oscar and then we didn't get a new Spider-Verse for four years after that, I feel like that was kind of the mentality of like, okay, we know we have gold with this. Let's get that award and then make a billion dollars for the threequel. Um, but at what cost? Like like Jenna and Aaron were saying, like, you know, you can have three, you can have two of three things when it comes to animation, cheap, fast, and good. You can only choose two. And trying to capitalize on all three, you got to sacrifice one of those those three aspects. And uh, I don't want to sacrifice good, you know. Like let's say let's wait till till twenty twenty five if need be, and uh, get an actual good conclusion to this story and not have it be marred in controversy. I remember when they were first announced, they were originally six months apart. Then it got delayed three more months. That's nine months. And then Sony dropped that uh, release date update, and they took November of twenty twenty four with an animated film. And I, I, don't, I, I don't know how all animated films are made, but I've been to like the Pixar campus and I've heard from Pixar animators and directors and those movies, they are very firm, very clear. Every single Pixar movie takes seven years to make. Seven years, even if it's a sequel, it takes seven years because you have to design the worlds and the characters and the stories and everything. So... When you get a good Pixar movie, unless they have already started the sequel, it's going to be seven years in between. 
I don't know the difference between how Pixar does it and how Sony Animation does it. I assume there's a lot of differences. But I don't really imagine that means you can crank out another two-hour movie in just a few months. So I hope they take their time with it. I think Amy Pascal had a real opportunity to say something good. Uh, like I, I kind of get what she's saying. Like this is movie making. Movie making is a lot of hours. It's it's hard work. It's a lot of time away from the stuff you want to do. Every filmmaker will tell you movie making isn't easy. It's a lot. There's 16 hour days. You think about Dave Bautista playing Drax. That man's probably filming for eight hours, but he's in the chair three and three before and after. So filmmaking is very difficult. But if people are complaining. You don't say, it's one thing to say, well, best we can do is a pizza party. It's another thing to just be like, well, welcome to making movies. She went full heel. Like she could have just been like, listen, we hear it. We want to improve this. Like we, we are dedicated to the filmmaking process. This is a film we really care about. And we're listening to our animators. We want to make sure everybody's satisfied so we can make the best movie we can make. That's pretty much all you had to say. Even if you're full of shit, you could say that. And people will be like, oh, great. Okay, they care. But it just came off very cold. And I was just like, dang, that's uh." That's tough. That's a tough look. And if I'm the animator then and I hear that, it's like, man, that's, I love what I'm doing, but I don't really like doing it for this person anymore because they don't seem to care about me. So I don't know. It's a, it's tricky. And Spider-Verse was like this perfect moment. It's still in this perfect moment. It's the number it's trending everywhere. Canon event is still trending and the movie's great, but, and now it's like, man, everything everywhere has this, these asterisks by it these days. Cause there's always something going wrong with something. Like, I will also say, because people are in the chat and are like, just pay them more. I, it's so much more than that. It's you can pay people as much as you're able to. But if you're still making them do in in, in a inhumane amount of work, if you are still crunching them, if you're still making them do a day's worth of work, if you're making them like it, it's not worth it if they are still being crunched to get this movie out to hit an arbitrary release date. You can pay them as much as you want, but it still is about the working conditions at the end of the day. So it's like I hope that they are to delay it. And that could make that a little bit more comfortable. And it's also, I mean, people need to recognize different people work differently. Like there are people who are willing to do that kind of work. I remember when I first started doing this job at Comic Book Man, you asked Jim, dude, I was I was like morning to night, seven days a week. Like l honestly, Liam's doing it right now. I got to applaud Liam because this kid is working his ass off. And I see like a lot of the, like I, I can't do it anymore. Maybe I'm too old or maybe I'm just spoiled. But the hours that I, I would, like I still work a lot of hours. But like, I don't know, when I first started, I remember I was working so much. Now I look back at it and I'm like, that was crazy. That was crazy the amount of time I was working, but it worked. Now, you know, I get to do a lot of like my, my daily responsibilities are what I wanted them to be. But also like, I, I don't know, it's different. If, if somebody's complaining about the hours, you can't, I never complained. Like I was never like, hey guys, please don't make me work these hours. And if I did, like Jim Viscardi's fantastic. That dude, if I'm, if I'm overworked right now, I'll tell you what, what happens is, I'm like, Jim, I've spent 57 hours on planes this month. I, I don't know if I can do this one. Can I take like a couple days? And Jim's always like, yeah, listen, we need you at your best. So let's, you know, that's what Amy Pascal could have done. So I, that's all. Like there's, there's ways to manage different people. And I think just being a, like the era of being a hard ass is long past. It's like, yeah, we got to get stuff done. You got to tell people to do their job. But at the same time, you got to respect that people have lives. And wanna, like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Spider-Verse, I think all, all in favor of or, or all betting that this one is going to be delayed, say I, 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 oh, this one is that. not coming out in March. There ain't no way. There ain't no way. It's a bummer. I don't even know if it's going to hit that November date, but I hope people get to enjoy working on it because it is a special film and I hope we get to enjoy seeing it at its best. So we, everything's been getting delayed. Why stop now? All right. We got one more thing. I went on a ride. I, sometimes I just ran. Uh, the coffee hits. and I, Or we got two more things, actually. Let's run through this real quick so we get to Secret Invasion. Loki Season 2 got a synopsis. I'm hyped for Loki Season 2. Loki Season 2 picks up in the aftermath of the shocking season finale when Loki finds himself in a battle for the soul of the Time Variance Authority. Along with Mobius, Hunter, B-15, and a team of new and returning characters, Loki navigates an ever-expanding and increasingly dangerous multiverse in search of Sylvie, Judge Renslayer, Miss Minutes, and the truth of what it means to possess free will and glorious purpose. I love the glorious purpose reference. Brilliant. Brilliant. Love it. Great job, Marvel. It's like you are paying attention to Marvel. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is good stuff. Loki season two. We have a date, right? October. Yeah. Seven. Can't come soon yeah. enough for me. That's what the show's about. Seems to be pretty straightforward. Anybody got anything they want to say about Loki season two before we move on? 
I like that they're looking for Miss Minutes, which feels very chaotic. She's just probably going to jump scare again and just scare the crap out of all of us, which is going to be great. Yeah. I didn't even know we were going to talk Loki today, and my my mug of choice was my my TVA one. So how about that? Um, I I do want to address the elephant in the room, though, notable by his absence in the synopsis. No, he who remains, no Kang. And I just, Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's a story purpose or if that's a real life purpose, because a lot of things, a lot of rumblings surrounding this thing being delayed was that they were going to hopefully get a resolution on the Jonathan Major situation before dropping this thing. We know they're not going to be able to reshoot it um, and all that. So I, I see the synopsis and I see those two keywords notably absent. And I just, I wonder how much of real life has bled into the, the fictional world. I, I mean, mean, I remember I, we, t- we talked about it on the show. I think the quantum mania synopsis on Disney plus like does not movie. mention him at all. So I think, I think that just seems to be the strategy like in the immediate going forward, which in my mind is the right call. Mm-hmm. I find this to be really interesting what they're doing and navigating the whole Jonathan Majors thing because I mean a few like is this Disney looking back at like well we fired James Gunn really really fast and we regretted that and now it's like they're waiting to see what happens I mean yeah you do have to wait and see what happens I guess and get as much information and do your investigations and everything as best you can there's a ton of information and evidence that has been presented online which I don't like I don't consider myself an expert on this. I don't consider myself a person who should be influencing like people's opinions on this. I think you should read it yourself and go find all that information. It's not like I'm scared to talk about this. I am scared to talk incorrectly or inaccurately about this. So I'm not willing to like do that unless I have really educated myself to the point that I consider myself having all the available information and knowledge. And I don't really know if I have that, but it's interesting. I mean, I think that's a big reason why it was an obvious uh, pass on Comic-Con this year. Now, I don't know that. That's not inside information, but it's like, okay, well, you can't really go to Comic-Con and not talk about Kang Dynasty, but you can't talk you can't talk about Kang Dynasty and not talk about Kang. So, granted, everybody's not going to Comic-Con this year, essentially. But I feel like, yeah, there is a lot of real life kind of pouring into decisions uh, uh, and, and synopsis and fictional and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. And I just, yeah, I, I hope the people involved are okay. That's the most important thing. Okay. Um, segue. Trying to <laughs> very morose, morose topic. Uh, yeah. We got Angela Bassett getting an honorary Oscar from the Academy at the Governor's Awards uh, coming up here in a, in a month or two, and we also got Kevin Feige, Chadwick Boseman, Michelle Yeoh, and Gal Gadot getting a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. So that should be fun. That should be. Uh, Brandon, is it Feige's handprint already outside of Chinese theater? Outside of TCL already? That sounds I, correct. I think a, so. Like all the Avengers already have their handprints out there. I've walked by yeah. them before. But. He did it with uh, with all the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And he did it right beside Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture right now. Okay, cool. All right. There yeah. we go. Um, Everybody feel good about her getting her award, even though I feel like a lot of the internet was like, why are we getting this random one instead of getting the one that would have made sense? And I'm like, you know... The Academy, man, they do they do a lot of strange things like them and Sony. It's the manatee tank from South Park. Sometimes <laughs> they just pick a ball at random and that's what we're doing. I think the Academy is on Twitter too much. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the right thing to do. It just changed. It, it's like it, it. you view it differently after how the actual Oscars went last year. So nope, she exactly. definitely deserves it. She deserves multiple Oscars at this point, but. I don't know. It's overdue. And then the Kevin Feige thing's interesting because I've seen a lot of discourse online of people being like, oh, why does he deserve to get a star? Just purely in the amount of things that this man has produced and how long he has produced things, even predating the MCU, people have gotten stars for a lot less. So that's more than justified. Yeah, I think it's great to see these people get their flowers. And it's so funny when it comes to entertainment industry makeup calls, because I make a lot of sports analogies and like, in a football game, if, if a referee missed a call, okay, we'll give you 10 yards on the next play. In entertainment, like, oh, we missed giving you an Oscar for five years. Like, here's, we'll dedicate a whole segment to you at next year's awards ceremony. Like, it's much grander in that sense. Um, I do think that this is a makeup call. I do think she deserved it last year um, for uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And it just, it sucks that it's an honorary Oscar, that it's like given to her because of just her career in general that she's absolutely deserving of. But like, Wish yeah. she could have got could have got that win when it was for the specific role, you know. If I was Angela Bassett, I'd be happy, but I'd also be side eyeing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. 
she's she's super gracious so she's going to show and accept the award and make oh, sure. it really nice for the for the academy but yes interior wise we all saw the facial expression change when it got announced and i completely and utterly understand like what she should have got that dub she should have got that dub on oscar <laughs> night bad. or stephanie but i what mean listen no, we love you jamie jamie you're great but this year <laughs> i don't know about it Still love you this year. Uh, you know what I mean. All right, guys, we're going to take a one-minute break. Uh, we come back. It's all about Secret Invasion Episode 2, which is out now on Disney+. Plus. We've all watched it. We're going to talk full spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, this is your stepping off point. Uh, come back when you have. It's going to be a fun discussion. we got a lot to talk about. See you in a minute. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Back to phase zero, where we are now talking about Secret Invasion season one, episode two. Uh, we'll go around first. We'll do reaction. Man, it, I almost forgot the cadence of what this is like because it has been so long <laughs> since we've talked about an episode of a Disney Plus show, and I wasn't on last week's show. My goodness, wow! So yeah, uh, it all—it's all coming back, coming back to me now. We're gonna go around and share reactions, reviews, and then I have all my notes here, just kind of in order of the episode as I. Watched it for the second time this morning. Uh, next week, I have not seen episode three yet. So any predictions, anything like that's all real? I don't know what's coming. Uh, yeah, so Liam, you're at the top of the screen. What do you think of today's episode of Secret Invasion? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more than the first episode because the first episode, I was just waiting for like momentum to pick up. And this one had multiple moments where I did the physical like sit up in my chair. I was like, all right, wait, what was that right there? Um, I think we're actually getting somewhere. And like you said at the top of the show, I think that there were so many earned mcu connections like a lot of stuff that happened in phase four and early on in phase five i feel like it's like hey remember that just for the sake of hey remember that this felt like oh no we're piecing together a puzzle that maybe might not have been intended to be a puzzle when those pieces were first in place but now we have a way where we can bring it all together uh and it feels like that culmination crossover event that they've been promising again we're only two episodes in so it's hard to judge the whole thing just yet uh but so far i was a very big fan of uh, the political and espionage chaos that we got in this episode. I'm with you. Jenna, what'd you think? Um, I, I agree. I watched both of the screeners for this in like a single sitting, and this was where it really, really started to grow on me. Um, I think that the this is so decidedly different from everything that we thought a secret invasion adaptation would be. And I think once you kind of divorce yourself from that, you're able to have a little bit more fun. Um, I'm not saying the show is like without faults, but I definitely think this episode in particular has some really, really interesting and really earned moments. I The scene with Fury and Brody is so good in my mind like that is one of my favorite things that we've had in like post end game um and i just think like what they are building and what they're doing and what they're kind of saying about superhero storytelling and the way that like if you ignore a plot you don't really acknowledge it, it's going to come back around to you playing off of that through the lens of nick fury is really exciting and cool to me so i i'm enjoying it i have no idea where we're going next though I'm begging for earth 838 to come back to bite the mcu as like one of those ignored plot lines one day that you just referenced, but uh, unrelated to Secret Invasion. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I I, enjoyed, I did not get to see it earlier like everybody else did, so I was walking to this completely cold and was like, okay, we're getting some weird follow-up. I, like, I, as, as the comments say, man, oh, man, to have Jamie Dirac here to rant about Olivia Coleman would be mm -hmm. great. That's one of the most visceral, like, <laughs> things that's happened in MCU in quite some time, just off of sheer, like, brutality um 
I Gravik does. I am still a concern. I wrote a thing before the show came out where I was like, hey, you have a chance to really learn from how they did the flag smashers. And we are teetering. We are a little icky and close to the sun with Gravik right now, where it's like, I'm supposed to be rooting against you only because I live on Earth. Like, why? You know, it's funny, too, because I think thematically, if we can get nerdy about it for a second, you know how like people joke around the Internet that everything that happened that was wrong with MCU is basically on Tony Stark, like 85 percent of it is just Tony Stark's fault where he just did something and then it comes back to like hurt everybody else later like yep. we're now learning that like nick fury is also like hey man hold my beer i screwed up a lot of this stuff too okay like 35 years of using them as like a spy system and then not actually finding them a planet which i mean maybe he tried we still like that's the fun part about this about this show is because i would love to have some of the little breadcrumb stuff filled in how us. the hell is a human going to find a planet for an alien race? I mean, because like Carol was doing Carol, that. That's the end of Carol's movie. But oh, so it's like this man should not have included himself in the conversation. Racing other people to the moon. Okay. <laughs> They're just like on their beepers back and forth and just like oh. going to find them a planet that way. I don't know. I like, it. I like the detail because those kind of things happen in comic book storytelling all the time of like, I'm going to promise you a thing and I'm not going to deliver at all because at I don't all. know I'm way over my head here. So I like also, cause it's like Captain Marvel, the, the wide swath between like the events of Captain Marvel and when we saw her next, it's like we don't know what happened there and so now we're kind of realizing not a lot really happened there with regards to the scrolls and that is really interesting to me yeah i, I also I, I have to give like why wait chris on youtube shout out to you for watching uh like the thing with roadie and fury is fascinating because i don't know if they've ever actually really spoken to each other on screen before have they ever ever had an interaction that wasn't five seconds like a real no. conversation before not like that they that was very together. funny. Cheadle is having way, way too much fun with his diet, Robert Downey Jr. During parts <laughs> of this, I want, I want y'all to appreciate that. Armor War should be a lot of fun. One uh, of them is a scroll. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Something's wrong. I feel like it has to be. Wrong. It has to be Roadie. I've been fighting against the whole Roadie's a scroll thing for so long because I, I just that would be so. Like it's too obvious about right now. It's too obvious, right? It's too obvious, which makes me think maybe Nick Fury is a scroll this whole time. That, that also feels obvious to me, though. Like, and and that I don't know. Like, I could see it, but I also feel like that then undoes a lot of what we just experienced in the show of like his surprise over a million scrolls being on Earth and all of that. Like, I don't know, unless it's two Nick Furies and we're seeing different versions of them in certain scenes, and we just don't know which is which. Which I would admire them if they did that, but that would be really, really hard to get general audiences on too. So I don't know. I thought the sequence when Nick Fury first came back to Earth was such an obvious tease that he's a scroll because the way that he emerged from the light and his the way his figure was his silhouette was made to be like perceived invisible was very obviously the outline of an alien like a like a stereotypical alien design like a slender body and a big head and then it pulled into focus and Nick Fury emerged from the light but I was like they're obviously trying to show us that either a Nick Fury is like an alien to earth now because he spent so much time away and he's not familiar with the planet anymore or b he's just an alien like he's a scroll <laughs> so, I'm not sure, but I watched that scene and I was like, for, if you if you look at the pieces so far of what Rhodey has done, he showed up in place of the president to speak on behalf of the U.S. government and said that like and then went to fire Fury and said nobody sent him. But he came himself. It's like, OK, does real Rhodey even, like would real Rhodey have fired Nick Fury or is this a scroll trying to push Nick Fury off the chase or, 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 or limit his resources and make things harder for him? But then again, I look at that. I'm like, man, that's too, it's too obvious. It's too obvious. Why would they make it so obvious that Rhodey is acting this way if he is a scroll? And maybe Rhodey would just do that because Rhodey was always the voice of reason in Tony's ear. So I don't know. I find that that scene was the standout. Those two, and the, the fact that those two scenes are back to back. You have the scene. Yeah, <laughs> Kofi in the comment section. Terrence Howard crying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the 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 fact that those two scenes are back to back and they're two phenomenal scenes you have roadie and uh and, and nick fury talking in that closed down restaurant which i thought was just really well written really well acted really well shot and then you cut over to olivia coleman as sonia fallsworth interrogating that guy in the in the meat freezer those two <laughs> scenes being back to back it's like liam said you're just sitting up in the chair and it's just it was really really good and i felt like that's where the episode picked up because i thought the early kind of scenes 
like the dialogue was so simplified and clunky. Like it was just a cut. Like there were some scenes to really remind you, like the scene with Maria Hill's mom, where she has to take a pause and be like, don't make her death for nothing. As if like Nick Fury needed extra motivation to stop a scroll invasion of the planet. Uh, but also the scene with Talos and, and Nick Fury in the train was great. I thought that Ben Mendelsohn and Sam Jackson did a great job acting in that. I thought it was well-written and we got to peel the curtain back on, on, uh, on Nick. And I liked how, I liked how Nick, I can't, you, you can never tell if Nick Fury is telling the truth. That's always been the case. So was he telling the truth about growing up in Alabama and little Susie and lying about his relationship with little Susie? All I could think about was Elton John. They had so much fun, uh, but he wasn't willing to tell the truth about it. And then he used that as a means to get Talos to tell the truth. He was like, if, if you lie to me, I'll know everything I need to know about what's going on here. If you tell me the truth, then I'll know, you know, we might be able to, to solve this thing together or work together, whatever. And it's like, well, did that, did Susie ever really exist? I don't know. I don't care. In my head, sure. It was a great story about Fury's life. If, if you, Liam, you, you know, if that's a callback, I'm sure you're. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. <laughs> like Nick Fury has that kind of Joker. You want to know how I got these scars in the MCU? It hasn't happened in one movie, but just stretched mm -hmm. out Cap Winter Soldier about uh, the the brown paper bag and the handgun. Keep on stepping, and that was a segue to get Cap to be like, you know, we take the world as it is, not how not how we'd like it to be, and trying to kind of get him on his side by telling an anecdote and hopefully garnering some sympathy. And that's a really good point, Brandon, about like. Is that a real story or was he just trying to get to a game of tell me something I don't know? Because it, it feels like the latter. Um, and now I'm going to rewatch that scene with a whole different mentality because it's like, yeah, damn, how sincere is Nick Fury? Or is he just a cold, calculated government official who mostly operates for the good guys? But sometimes he's not afraid to, to stab a few people in the back to get what is right for, for everyone. I, I, uh, I just wish we didn't know how Nick Fury lost his eye. Yes. I don't think that's trash. That's oh, some trash, man. That was hyped up. That was trash. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was emotionally preparing you for Avengers Tower. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna own a, I'm gonna buy Avengers Tower later this year. Y'all seen them Lego leaks? Woo! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I thought the opening scene of this episode was kind of bad. I thought it was kind of like, it, it was just very bait. Like, I don't know, not the opening scene, like the, sorry, I guess the second scene, like that speech to the scrolls. I thought it was kind of like, well, this could have been, this could have been written better and delivered better. I thought it was very cheaply done and very exposition heavy. I thought there was, but, but I found one line in that scene to be very interesting when um, Gravik's mom, when, when Nick Fury said he's a child or not mom, I guess his mom. Yeah, died. not mom. Whoever that was with graphics said he's so, only a okay. child. I'm 99% sure, just jumping to the end of the episode, I'm pretty sure that is Fury's wife because, like, I, I paid attention to her face in, in the beginning and the end, and she looks very, very similar. So I would not be surprised, especially the way that they are, like, kind of coupled up in that scene. That might be his wife at the end of the episode. Mm. So, do I, I, there's two ways I think you could look at that. And my first impression of it was Does Fury know his wife is a scroll? I don't know. Is this like a scroll plant that's just trying to stay close to Fury, or does does he know? Like he does know, and it's he's like obviously they you know they found love, but and it, and and it's like you know a, a great metaphor for you know people of different kinds being together, or is this part of the 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 plan? Is she a plant? I don't know. I and I, I, I what do you guys think? The only reason why I don't want that to happen is because for the longest time, my theory is that Laura Barton is a scroll and Hawkeye has a bunch of kids who are like half scroll, half human. And that's why they had to get like a safe house and a secret life and all that. And there's no way that happens if they also have a secret scroll human marriage with Fury and, and his uh, scroll life. But that being said, uh, my theory has had zero precedence in secret invasion specifically so far. Uh, so I do feel like the, the Fury scroll tie could be a lot more legit. I also think that gives him a really interesting, like emotional, like kind of conflict as this goes along of like, I'm trying to deal with the scroll invasion while also recognizing like, I'm literally married to one and people don't even know that. Like, I, I think that that adds another layer to the stakes, which I think- It certainly adds a layer to like the political side of it. Cause um, I mean, think about how that would be used against you in a political sphere. If, if you know, it's like, well, obviously this guy wants to support the scrolls. He's married to one. Like that's exactly the kind of thing it would be. 
So it's it's there's there's either way. I think it's a very interesting storyline. I'm really I'm I think it's really cool that they're going that route, and I hope it's explored because there's only four episodes left, and this is a big big story. Like they're they're making this a political thriller. They're talking about Russia. They're talking about the United States. They're talking about the like these countries and the fallout of these of these moments. I am not going to lie. I'm worried about only having four episodes of this, and I really hope it has an actual ending. And not just be, it's not just a six episode trailer for the Marvels and Armor Wars, uh, and I think it will. I think it's good. I, I, I believe in it because these first two episodes have been really satisfying. There's a million scrolls on Earth, so just to clarify, when he <laughs> talks about that, the, the the scrolls came to Earth during the blip. Maybe. I didn't even think about it that way. I mean, that would be easier to do because yeah. everybody's displaced, and you oh. have infinite personalities to just take on while they're gone and evade detection. That's I mean, really cool. Cause like if somebody gets blipped, you, you assume their identity and pretend that they didn't get blipped. But then if they come back after the fact, then like, Oh, what happens? That's really cool. Yeah, I didn't I mean, even I think, think about that's that. Where the story goes, the squirrels recovering from taking people over who came back to life, but then they would have to see them. So I don't think they actually could do that. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone was inside the government and had their weird Avengers memorial boards that they had during a game with people's faces yeah. just flashing at you to remind you of your failure, maybe they could. I don't. Well, I, it's weird. So it was fairly recent, though, that the scrolls came yeah. to Earth. It I wasn't think, like the, it wasn't back in the 90s after that conversation. It was I it just was assumed it was incremental long. over time. But like I do like the blip theory of like more of them coming up since then. But yeah, I just assumed it was gradually since the 90s. And I would have to imagine, too, it came at, definitely during the blip, but during the time Fury was off world, because then you could then Talos makes the argument of like, well, there was no one like we couldn't approve this with you because you weren't here and, and something like that. So I, I would have to imagine sometime between. Well, we don't really know when he left. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, age, age of Ultron and now because he cut his sandwich the wrong way in Age of Ultron, <laughs> which makes me think he was a scroll back then. I don't know. I find it funny that uh, Talos, when he's talking about needing a planet and like, he's like, you were in space. It's like, why do you talk about space? Like this crazy uncharted territory. You're from there. Like you could have, you probably could have just, just jetted out there. Right. Like couldn't the scrolls presumably go wherever Nick Fury was. But then I think Nick Fury's counter to that was answers my question, which was you didn't want to reach me because you wanted to bring everybody here. So yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty well done. Pretty well done. There's, listen, we talked about this before the show. I got to bring it up now. I know Liam had the moment of the week right there when, uh, when we had an Alexander Pierce reference in the conversation we already talked about. Winter Soldier supremacy. Go ahead, go ahead, talk about it. Go ahead, how'd that make you I'm feel? I'm just so happy that like it's been nine years since that movie came out, a canonical probably 14, and it still like has the effects, has the trickle down effects. And again, that was uh, a reference for the sake of the story, not a reference for the sake of having a reference, which I really enjoyed uh, because yeah, Pierce and Fury's history goes back far beyond just Winter Soldier. Like they came up in S.H.I.E.L.D. together. He got a position of power. Fury got someone else and he was deceiving him the whole time, which is why he has trust issues. And it's like that has such a perfect mirror to Fury's relationship with the Skrulls because he had trust issues because of Hydra and everything. Now the scroll stuff isn't going as perfectly as he anticipated it being. And even said it in the flashback where he says like, you guys have my trust and that's not something I give lightly. And that happened years before Hydra's parasitical takeover of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, so again, I went into Secret Invasion uh, before the premiere episode, hoping for some Winter Soldier tonality aspects. And now that we're having thematic ties as well, I think is so picture perfect. Um, And every time we get a title card too, I I jump a little bit because it's the same font as Civil War and Black Widow, which also echo those kind of Russo brother tones. So uh, yeah, that that popped me for sure. sure. (laughs) The wrestling references on today's show. Keep going. Let's go. Uh, Sorry. Popped is a, a, maybe it's a term outside of wrestling too, but I I know it from wrestling. You get the crowd to pop, you get a reaction. Uh, but maybe everybody knew that. I don't know. I overexplain sometimes. Uh, there's only a couple other things I wanted to talk about, uh, and then I'll, you know, you guys can bring whatever you want to. Um, the two things: one, I thought that they're, like the violence in this show, I appreciate it. It's not like uncomfortable or explicit. If you're a kid or a parent, it might be like, "Oof, well, did I need to see the inside of a finger?" Uh, I thought it's necessary. Like, it, I think that the way it was done 
it, it, it intensified the sequence. It showed the it showed like the stakes. It showed the reality there, which was brutality and what it takes to deal with the scrolls. And that means cutting off somebody's finger. And if you just cut off the finger and you don't show it, I yeah, in concept it's the same, but in emotion, in reaction, I think it's different. And I appreciate that Marvel's growing up a little bit. And like I was shot, there's like you look at that shot. They cut that finger off. There's blood dripping, and you see like the inside of a finger, a bone, and everything. I was like, "Whoa, Kevin, Kevin!" It's been 15 <laughs> years since Iron Man. I guess we all did grow up. I always go back to Mandalorian episode one, the very first thing on Disney Plus. <laughs> he he kills the guy with the like revolving door. So I'm just like the violence on Disney Plus is always fascinating to me. But I I loved that moment only because it makes Sonya even more of a weird character. Like the, her having the like Olivia Coleman bubbly personality and then still being able to do that without like any hesitation or any remorse was just like oh this is great. Like you are unhinged and I love it. And uh, to your point about Mandalorian, this is a good comment uh, from Comic Book Nation's Kofi Outlaw uh, on our Twitch comment section. Uh, he points out that they got away with that because it wasn't a human, so they can bend the line there. Like, technically, no, a scroll is not a human. So maybe they were able to say, like, yes, it looks like a human. I don't know what the rules are because I know Walking Dead, they're zombies. So you could do a bunch of crazy stuff and dismember human corpses as walking zombies and get away with a bit more on television that you, well, I don't know, Walking Dead got away with a lot of stuff. That's also because so. it's streaming. Does it really matter? Like the rating system that's is not as strong. True. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's nobody monitoring it. They get to do whatever they want, really, I think. Mm -hmm. well, on that note, a fun fact is that 2012's The Avengers was originally rated R because in the, the scene where Coulson gets killed and stabbed through the back, if that was a wider shot and you saw Loki physically impaling him, that would have made it an R-rated property. But because it was like zoomed in and you saw his facial reaction rather than the blade going through, that's how they're able to make it PG-13 again, which now makes me wonder if you go back and retroactively make Coulson a scroll, could we have got away with that like brutal shot? It's it's funny how things work like that. All he had to do is turn green after. Yeah. They could have, yeah. They could have took him apart one limit at a time uh yeah can, can we talk about the avengers disassembled of it all bd yeah because they ask about they get named out three times when we haven't really had the word avengers spoken out loud very much since uh in game mm -hmm. so they're talking about calling in the avengers who would they even call i know <laughs> i mean that's when the problem with the marvel cinematic universe right now if we're well, honest like, that's a problem yeah. that is a problem not be not it's technically yeah, it's Shang-Chi, Carol, and Bruce, just based on like who we've even seen interact with each other. And then if you want to, you know, make me, uh, I don't know. I, I Hawkeye, I honestly don't even know. Yeah. Also, it's like even if you take into account like the cruise ship video thing that may or may not be set in a different universe, then more characters have interacted there. It's just like I agree. It's crazy. Of like, what about the Avengers? The Avengers are not even really a thing, so it is kind of wild. They well, broke up like a band, like the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, that, that's a part, like, that just shows how disconnected this all feels. Like, yes, there are still Avengers, people from the Avengers roster existing in this universe. Thor is still alive. Sam Wilson's still alive. You know, Shang-Chi's new and he met Carol and Bruce and Wong. So presumably he gets to join the mix. Spider-Man's out there. Do we know what the deal is with that? Doctor Strange is out there is wanda out there i mean presumably not right now she's under a bunch of rocks but who knows uh but yeah like i, I don't know it's very uh it's very confused the hulk is still there but he's not as entertaining as smart <laughs> hulk like please for the love of god bring back angry hulk i just think there's uh there's the disjointed nature and this whole like inability to keep up with what's going on is one of my big frustration points one th on that point too, I think a very notable line that we'll recircle back to a lot throughout the series is that Fury keeps insisting that this is his fight and he needs to go at it, alo at it alone. And I think something we'll get resolution for in these next four episodes is the realization that he can't go at it alone. And hopefully, this is me just being an optimist, but hopefully episode six ends with like a similar ending to Age of Ultron where Fury's reassembling an Avengers roster because he realizes like he couldn't do it alone 10 years ago and now he's older and more withered and he needs backup and he needs to kind of like leave his ego at the door mm -hmm. and admit where he kind of was wrong at a certain point. And even if we don't get, you know, I'm not expecting a full Avengers roster in any episode of a Disney Plus show, but just him looking at a board and, you know, assembling Gross. like ideas, stuff like that.
oh, could you imagine getting like a like seeing the end of this where it's like, all right, here we all are, and there's Carol and Shang Chi and Wong and Spider Man and Doctor Strange and everybody's like on on your television screen on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> Dear goodness gracious, uh, I, that that's I like that theory. I think it makes sense because I had heard of uh, an opening scene from the Marvels, yeah, which essentially involved an Avengers roster, and I don't think it's in the movie anymore. So, and I also I'm not 100 percent sure if it was ever real. But I heard it from like a decent enough place to be like, that would have been really cool. I could kind of believe that that was filmed. And I just don't know if it's in the film. So it would make sense that Secret Invasion or I mean, granted, if this is not in the film anymore, maybe that means they also changed the ending of Secret Invasion. But I really like that point that does culminate with Nick Fury being like, all right, hey, actually turns out I'm pretty good, but I'm better with all of you. So I would love to see some sort of uh, Avengers roster being assembled. But I... I it's hard to imagine that happening at Disney Plus. I think the bulletin yeah. board of it all feels like the most likely thing to happen. Or, or Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, where she's like, oh, well, your time has passed. I've assembled my own crew. But I was just about to say, that would be the best possible ending for this. Yeah. Thank you. That would be wild. Yeah. Because that that's, be how, that's how the event ended, was, yo, Norman won, and then he's like, and I want you to meet your new Avengers, and it was the Thunderbolts. And I was like, uh. what? Yeah, you know, as like a what is I like nineteen or eighteen? Like, dude, you're kidding! What? That's insane. I, just, um, I hope that happens. And then through the window, some lightning comes in, and Nick Fury's like, "What are we? Some kind of thunderbolts?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, last thing I want to talk about, since we're talking about you know the whole MCU and all these characters, is the Easter egg I talked about at the very top of today's show. Uh, when Gaia was looking through the computer, also Amelia Clark is fantastic in this show. And she seems just like they, they made her look so kind of like, I mean, not that like she looks, she is young, but they made her look just so like young and a bit like nervous. And just, she's just doing a really good job of playing this character who seems uncertain and uneasy in her space. And, but is also clearly up to something because she's kind of skeptic of graphic, which I appreciate. Uh, and she looked at the computer that is all these scroll studies of DNA that's going to eventually, as we've seen in the trailers, help scrolls get superpowers, basically. They're going to be able to get that superpower, mutate their own DNA, shapeshift their own DNA into these super abilities. And we saw one that I remember in the trailer. We were like, yeah, that looked like a Groot arm on Gravik. And that was one of my least favorite things from the trailer. But we know it's coming. So if you look at the computer that she looked at, there are four things, four huge things that we see uh, in on this computer, on this scroll data base, one is Groot, which confirms Groot's home planet is Planet X, which we have not had confirmed anywhere else <laughs> except for Vin Diesel in an interview that James Gunn said was a lie because we never actually went to Planet X. Uh, we had a Frost Beast, which was seen in the first Thor movie, the Jotunheim creatures. We had Cool Obsidian, which is Thanos' big boy, uh, who <laughs> lost his hand in Infinity War. His His hand was shown in there. His planet, his home planet, listed as unknown, so we're never going to really learn about Cool Obsidian. And the Extremist virus, which is the virus that was created in Iron Man 3 that Maya Hansen took and uh, uh, Guy Pierce, not 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 Alexander Pierce, Aldridge Killian, baby. Yeah. Aldridge Killian, yeah, his little privately funded think tank. Uh, they took they took that and started blowing up people at the Chinese theater. So yeah, so there's all those references. That is what the scrolls seem to be doing. I hope they don't get their hands on extremists because then they're just going to be a bunch of suicide bombers. I don't know if they know that because extremists was never seemingly under control. Like humans, maybe scrolls can control it better, but maybe they don't care. Uh, I think it's really interesting that this show could culminate, though, with whether it's graphic getting all these powers and being super scroll and being able to have Groot like abilities, become a frost beast, or become a giant, like hulking, you know, coal obsidian type character, or have this extremist ability to walk through fire as Pepper Potts once did because of it. Uh, I think it's very interesting. I think that was a huge detail that it was easy to miss, but it's very telling about where this show's going. I love it. I think like not having the super scroll origin that we get in the comics, because obviously we can't really do that if we don't have the fantastic four established. I think they found a really clever way to still make it work within the context of the universe. So yeah, very curious to see if it's just graphic or if it ends up being like, here's a whole army or if it does end up being where some of them are just suicide bombers, like with the extremist virus, just as part of the mission, like that aspect is really interesting to me too. That's going to be, I just hope the show doesn't lose its grounded nature in some big explosive crazy battle in episode six. I I'm all for some crazy good action, but I just don't want it to go too far with it. 
I think so much of, of phase four did that black widow moon Knight, WandaVision, like even among the best properties went too big in the finale. Spider-Man No Way Home did not. Spider-Man No Way Home kept its stakes great in the end. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I'm hoping, uh, I hope it doesn't go too far up from the ground. And Liam, what's up? Yeah, to Aaron's point earlier, though, that is a great way to vilify Gravik because it's like we're meant to root against him just because he's not human. But it's like if part of his plan is to sacrifice a whole battalion of his own people, mm -hmm. like very, uh, what's his name? Bane, you know, they expect one of mm -hmm. us in the wreckage brother type thing. Like if that's what he's going for, there's how we like get him on the full heel side to make another force wrestling reference. Like that's how you do it. So I, I, I understand some of the concern of going too big. But I also really like that as a way to give him an extra layer. I found it interesting that they, that he spared the woman in that meeting because they they didn't really solidify him as this villain. They want you to be sympathetic towards him. So yeah, if he starts sacrificing his soldiers, that's a great way to root against him. But the fact that he spared that woman and guy was like, oh, you're walking out. Things must not have gone well. But he didn't kill her. He or maybe that was intentional. Maybe he knows. She's a rat. She's talking mm -hmm. to Fury. Yeah. Or, it's you know, just, he's used it. It reminds me of Val, where you need to be the person to escape to give the message so that the rest of the plan can go through on the way down. So, and he kind of somewhat respected her principles on being the only person like stand up to him after a NATO guy's like, I'm the leader of NATO in a room yeah. full of extraterrestrials. <laughs> give me a break. Like, he reminds me of the dude from the Matrix with the steak. Just kind of sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that that was part of it too. Because I think Liam's right as well. He gonna start throwing people overboard real quick at what I like to call the Vegeta offensive, where it's like, <laughs> oh, right, you're a bad guy. That's right. You you can't be trusted. Um, but yeah, I it it is fun to have one of these where there's no costume to reveal in the sixth episode, so we have no idea what the sixth episode is gonna be. <laughs> See, I'm more worried about the fourth episode because that's always been the thing of like, oh, you're just been right. sort of like oh, change no. of pace for a new location. I'm like, what does that even look like on this show when we're going around the world and doing all of this stuff? I have no idea. Let's end it. Let's end it here. Do we think Nick Fury survives Secret Invasion episode six? Well, he's in the Marvels, right? Okay, but so I have a theory so about that. Like, Toby Smulders. Yeah, so I am starting to get more convinced that the Marvels might be a prequel to all of this because, like, the way that Nick Fury, as as Aaron has said on the show, very the Capital One commercial Samuel L. Jackson in the Marvels trailer, I would not be surprised if it if it ends up being a thing where all of that took place and then Secret Invasion happened and then we give Fury his like big dramatic like Phoenix death at the end of the show. I don't know. Yeah, I like it's weird. That'd be weird. The first one of these to be like a prequel besides Black Widow. And it's like that one would be absolutely wild. I don't know. Maybe it's not entirely a prequel. Maybe just the Nick Fury scenes are set before Secret Invasion. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie set after it. Because he does have like the darker goatee in the Marvel's trailer, right? Yes. Like he's yeah. not a gray beard. So yeah. What he's using just for men. Like, I don't know. He's got that <laughs> swagger. He's got that Samuel L. Jackson walk. He's got that that pep in his step. He doesn't have a bum knee yeah. in the trailer. So we'll see. We'll There's see. someone in the point. cast, I feel like, that is a scroll, but is like a double agent. I feel like that's the thing that's lingering below the surface here. Like, I'm completely and utterly dubious about Fallsworth. Like, she doesn't seem like just a normal human to me, if that <laughs> if that makes any sense. I'm like, mm, too capable. Do we, do we think Maria Hill's actually dead? No. I, I want, I don't know, like, I, I want her to be just to have that emotional significance of the death, because I also feel like this is a show where you could just undermine every death or any plot twist of like, oh, it was a scroll all along. So part of me wants her to like definitively be dead. But I also know they could have a million different ways to bring her back. I just know that Nick Fury faked his own death to the point that like he quite literally died. He got shot by a sniper and then we literally saw him on the table dead. So that means even when you see the body around Nick Fury, they might not actually be dead. That said, I fully agree. If you if if she's still alive and you give us another Chewbacca moment, like you're just undermining stakes. Like stop hitting us with fake deaths. Like I don't want to see Colby's motors go. She's been in this for so long. I'm tired of losing actors from the Infinity Saga. But you like that's that will immediately remove so much, so much weight from this show if she's still alive. 
Yeah. I like uh, Master Tainment over at New Rockstars. I like his his uh, read of this. I'm not going to say that because it could end up being a spoiler for the entire show, but I don't think she's I dead. Hmm. Like there's a immaterial rule too. Class cast was closed. No, no, <laughs> she's not dead. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right, y'all. Well, that is our secret invasion episode two discussion. Did anything before I close this out? Anybody have anything they wanted to add? Subtract. I will just say we had so much like theories about Christopher McDonald, and I'm I'm delighted with what character he ultimately seems to be playing. Like having him be a cable news host is very delightful, <laughs> and I'm very excited to see like what they do with him because he's just such a great actor. Anybody else got anything they want to uh, touch on here? All right, well that's what we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, Jenna, any last words for today's show? Um, it's at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on all social media. Go read some comics. There's a lot of really great comics coming out this week. There's a new issue of Green Arrow and just a lot of really good stuff. So go read some comics. Liam? Uh, no, just thank you again for having me on. Uh, tomorrow is actually my one year with comic books. So it's, wow. it's really cool to look back at this whole year uh, and just feel very grateful for a lot of opportunities. Uh, and uh, just, yeah, thank you for always tagging me in for uh, phase zero whenever there's an opening because I love talking Marvel. This is so much fun. Oh yeah, man. Aaron? Uh, it's at something like Hornet. I implore you guys to tune into Comic Book Nation on Friday, which is supposed to be a pretty massive edition <laughs> with Kofi, Matt, and Janelle as you guys actually have a Superman. And they'll probably be like, we still have a Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're, they they are gonna have things to discuss because ain't nobody watching the Flash apparently. Uh, and now no. it seems like WB is just like, all right, we're taking the L. Announce Superman, take the attention yes. off the Flash. <laughs> yes, hurry, hurry. That was the I right decision. It. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. Woo wee! Goodness gracious, what a time for everybody to lose interest in everything apparently. Uh, but all right, guys, that is uh, that's our show on Phase Zero. Uh, go watch Comic Book Nation on Friday. It's on the same Twitch channel. They also have their own YouTube channel. So go search Comic Book Nation on YouTube. You can find them there. Please subscribe to the Phase Zero channel on YouTube. Uh, we upload shorts. We got some new videos coming. We're going to have uh, a couple unboxings of the Infinity Ultron, Wenwu and Shang-Chi Hot Toys figures. I got the Captain America as well. Uh, maybe I'll unbox that one. Uh, but only that, that that one I actually bought. So I'm like, hmm, do I give, do I, do, you know? Uh, anyway, that's our show. We will talk to you guys in a week. Let us know what you thought of Secret Evasion on social media. Hit us up uh, at Phase Zero CB and all of our personal handles that everybody has rattled off. And we'll see you later. Bye.